There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I'm going to play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Steeler Nation, welcome back to another edition or round of sound, if you want to call it that. The standard is the standard, the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It's our first and only, this is the original podcast, and my name is Jeff Hartman. I'm the editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. With me, as always, on the West Coast, Lance Williams. How's it going, Lance? Color Rush in the building. That's right. Color Rush is here. He's excited for those uniforms. It's going to be here before you know it, folks. Before we get started with a lot of stuff to talk about today, we've got week one, we've got a lot of new Steelers news that's coming out, and we're going to get to all of that. I want to make sure we have a, a real quick announcement to make, and I know it might disappoint some listeners, but it's just something that's going to make the product better, and that's what we're always striving to do here at Behind the Steel Curtain and our iTunes platform of The Standard is the Standard. We are not going to be taking callers anymore on this show unless we specifically request them. Uh, it's just to, for timeliness. It's to get a cleaner product out there during the season. This is the only time we're going to do this during the season. If you want to chime in, the chance is going to be to do that. We're having a new show debut. It's going to be the day after a Steelers game. It's going to be called the Steelers hangover. Now the hangover is going to replace what used to be the Steelers final score, which myself and Chris Carter hosted last year and the year before that. Um, however, because Chris Carter has moved on from behind the steel curtain, we're moving the show to the day after. So in other words, the game is on Monday night, the Steelers and Redskins in week one. Tuesday night will be the hangover where it's nothing but a call-in show. It's a recap show. You call in, you can yell, scream, praise, whatever. That's their time to do it. So unfortunately, if you're looking to call into the show tonight, we're not going to be taking callers. Um, but your chance to do that will be coming up. So it's just going to be Lance and I for the next probably 30 or 45 minutes. We want to keep the show a little bit shorter, a little bit tighter. And let's get right to it, Lance. I want to change things up. Normally we talk about Steelers news first, and then we get to the predictions and preview later. later. I think people want to hear Steelers-Redskins talks. Week one, 
football that actually matters. And before we get into things, I want to mention there are some injuries to talk about on both sides of the field. The Steelers had some good news today. Cameron Hayward came back to practice. So did Javon Hargrave. Hargrave tweaked what they thought was a knee on Monday. Turns out to be a quad injury. It's looking like both of those guys will play. However, Marcus Wheaton, who's dealing with a shoulder injury, did not practice fully today. Just from a Steelers standpoint, Lance, are you concerned about some of those injuries, or do you think that, you know what, they're, they're going to be fine, or the Steelers will be fine without them? I think it's key that they get those two guys back in the front seven because Bud Dupree was placed on IR. I know all of the guys know that. He can't come back till at least week eight. And because the Steelers had so much issues, so many issues getting sacks from the outside linebacker position last year, it's vital that they get those two big guys in the middle because I think it's going to be key when we break this game down that they get gut pressure, interior pressure against Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I agree with you. And although Ricardo Matthews is a, a large step ahead of Cam Thomas, We've only seen him in the preseason against secondary players, backups. I mean, we don't know if he's going to be able to bring it the way that Cam Hayward does. Javon Hargrave, he earned that starting spot for a reason, folks, and he's a playmaker. He's a playmaker, and now he's not going to play by himself. Um, Obviously, we're going to see Daniel McCullers, but let's get right into things with this matchup, Lance. I know that you like to look at the Steelers' defense against the Redskins' offense, and I kind of flip the switch and look at the Steelers' offense against the Redskins' defense. Um, I want to get your feel first on this game in general. I've had to do a lot of radio spots. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but uh, I've had to do a lot of radio spots with local D.C. I I live in Maryland, so it's kind of local for me. Uh, With some radio affiliates about the game, and there are people that are really – thinking that the, the Redskins could roll in this game. What is your just overall perspective of the Steelers going into FedEx Field on Monday Night Football? Well, if you guys are familiar with the show from last season, you guys know when I break down games, I like to use a rod. I like to get my Nipsey Russell on. So I'm going to start <laughs> the year with a very simple rod to break this game down. If the Steelers want to succeed they must stop Jordan Reed. And stopping mm-hmm. Jordan Reed is more than a notion. Because when you watch Jordan Reed on film, although he's not the best tight end in the National Football League, but that's Rob Brankhouse close. Now, they're different type of players because he's not as physical, but from a pure movement standpoint and the ability to run precise, crisp routes, he's a mismatch against linebackers and corners. And I don't think the Steelers have anyone on that defense that can handle them. So, you know, this game will boil down to how the Steelers deal with Reed and overall how they deal with a very versatile, talented receiving core of Deshaun Jackson, Crowder, Reed, Garcon. These guys can attack you in the short and intermediate zones. And it's, it's going to be tough on a young secondary. And this is not what a young secondary needs or a defense whose secondary is the primary question needs to face in week one. So I think it's going to be tough for the Steelers to go up there and get the victory because that's a very good offense. They do a lot of good stuff, a lot of formations, a lot of waggles, a lot of boot action. 
off of play action, and they'll pass the ball out of that. They give you a lot of looks. It's all running scheme. So this is going to be quite a test for a defense in week one. Yeah. I mean, I kept on telling, you know, when I was on those radio shows and people that I've spoken to here locally, they all say the same thing in regards to Steelers fans kind of think this is going to be a walk, like a cakewalk. And I say, guys, this Redskins team, if you watch the way they played at the end of last year, and I understand that last year is last year and, and 2016 is 2016, but they have a lot of playmakers. They just haven't put it together yet. Uh, and I think that's the biggest question. Um, you know, you look at the them at FedEx Field. I know there's going to be a lot of Steeler fans there, um, but ultimately I just think that it's not going to be a simple game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think it's going to be. It might be more high scoring than people think it's going to be, and we're going to get into our predictions a little bit later, so stay tuned for that. So let's get right into the nitty-gritty here, Lance. Uh, do you want to go first, or do you want to punt the ball off to me, and I'll go first with my offensive keys to victory? Well, I'm going to go ahead and go first since I started off with my little diatribe about their offense. And I like to break it down in three categories, pressure, run defense, and pass defense. Obviously, those are the three areas that you have to look at when you're going to break it down. From a pressure standpoint, I think the Bud Dupree injury is big for the Steelers. We talked about it a couple of shows ago about one of the keys that the Steelers would win the Super Bowl if they got above 50 sacks. And not having Bud Dupree, I think it's going to severely limit it and really challenge that. You have Chickarillo behind Moats. And when you look at the tackles for the Redskins, they're solid with William and Morgan Moses. I think both of those guys are solid. I think the tackles uh, will, will, will win most of those matchups. I think James Harrison, as always, will be able to get out for Trent Williams some, but I think from an outside linebacker standpoint, I think it's going to be difficult for the Steelers to get some pressure. I would expect Butler to be very conservative in this game with the blitz looks and try to do the blitzing stuff because of the versatility of the receiver core. So I come in the interior with Hargrave, Sewitt, and Cameron Hayward going against the interior of that Washington Redskins offensive line. From a running game perspective, In the games that I've watched, and I admit I only watched about three games, they look very left-handed, but they are a zone-blocking running scheme, and so that takes gap discipline, and so that's going to be a nice test for this Steelers run defense early. But, again, going back to what I said at the top of the show when talking about the game, the biggest issue is Jackson, Crowder, Reed, and Garcon. I don't think the Steelers' secondary has any advantages in any matchup against any of those wide receivers. So it's going to really be key to get a lot of heat and a lot of pressure from that front seven. This is a game in which I think the best defense for the Steelers will be their offense. If that offense can come into the game, get hot, and get cooking, really make Washington one-dimensional so they can pin their ears back, I think they'll have a good chance of stopping them. But this is a very difficult offense. I mean, the one weakness of the offense to me when I watch it is the running game and the fact that Kirk Cousins is not an elite deliverer of the football. He does not have an elite arm. So, you know, you can get after him with some pressures in his face. Also, I would expect to see the Steelers do a lot of stunts and some twists 
to really try to get some pressure in the interior through the A-gaps. But I think this is going to be a significant challenge for the Steelers' defense at the start of the season. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I don't think that this uh, Redskins offense is, is bad. I think it's a very good offense. Uh, Jordan Reed scares me to death. We talk, You talked about that, and you hit the nail right on the head. But what I come down to is, is a couple things. I think that even though Bud Dupree, and yes, they're going to miss him on the football field, I think from a rushing defense, a, a rush defense standpoint, I think the Steelers are going to be fine, even without him in the lineup. I think if you look at Arthur Motes, you look at Anthony Chiquillo, both of those players are very well-equipped at setting the edge and making sure that they funnel everything inside. And I also agree that the athleticism along the defensive front with Hargrave, Tewitt, and Hayward, they are going to be able to stay disciplined. I don't see the Redskins running very well, just like no one ran very well on the Steelers in 2015. Then it comes down to can Kirk Cousins make the throws necessary to win? He, we know that he can make some of those throws, but if you put pressure on him, you watch film from last year, when he was pressured, it wasn't pretty. Now, he, he's, he's an adequate quarterback. I'm not saying that he's the next you know, McCown brother that's out there on the field. I'm not saying that. Um, but what I'm suggesting is that he's not going to be the Tom Brady, the Aaron Rodgers, or Ben Roethlisberger that they practice against every day in terms of uh, the cerebral approach and the ability to throw receivers open. I just don't see him as being that kind of quarterback. So with that said, I think that's, that's something that, like you said, if they can get that interior pressure and really force Cousins to beat them, then, well, it could turn into a shootout. Uh, but what do you think, if, if you were to pick a matchup, and I'm kind of putting this on you, you're going to say Jordan Reed, right? with me all right well we must have lost Lance let's see if I can get him back on here uh, but I think most people would say that that Jordan Reed is go- is going to be the guy that they're going to be looking at and saying that he's the matchup he is the guy that we have Sorry to stop that, especially yeah. with the Steelers that's okay that's all right uh, I think that people are going to say that he's the guy that you have to watch you stop him at all costs because especially with the Steelers and their issues with tight ends that you talked about down the seam, which has already been evident in the preseason. So that's the matchup, right? And you're not going to go anywhere else. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's it. But I mean, you know, you got to also look at the fact that Robert Golden is making his first start back there. Uh, also with Sean Davis in the slot. So, you know, I think formationally what you want to do is spread the Steelers out, and you really want to try to attack Sean Davis. You really want to attack that rookie and, and, and really punish him and really make him confused, put him on the spot because he's a safety. And, you know, can he play that corner position? Can he play it effectively? And, you know, I think they are going to go after him. They're going to target him early and often, and they're going to try to get after him with multiple guys uh, especially uh, with Jordan Reed, but I think they, I think they would feel that they have the advantage in any matchup against Sean Davis. Okay, well that's my next question. My follow-up is: if you're worried about Davis, is there any option you can think of defensively, a whether it's personnel, whether it's scheme, whether it's a package that you're putting together, or whether it's a player that you're trying to have almost shadow Jordan Reed on the field? What are you trying to do to avoid that matchup if there is anything that you can do to avoid that matchup? 
I mean, if they want to match up as an offense by formation, they can get it. You just have to mitigate the damage, I think, by putting a safety on top of him. You know, he's going to get his. You just don't want him to kill you. I mean, I mean, that's what you don't want, and especially in the red zone. They look for him often, and they go to him, and they should. You just don't want him to wreck your game. If you can limit him, because uh, you're not going to stop him, but you know you can't get the three touchdown performance uh, that Gronkowski gave him, or was it four? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Last year in the opener, so you know Jordan Reed is going to have absolutely have the spotlight. But I would I would protect Sean Davis with the safety over top of him if you can get away with it. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. So there you have it, folks. The defensive keys to victory for the Pittsburgh Steelers going into the game on Monday against the Washington Redskins. Now, let's go over into the offensive side of the football. This is kind of my repertoire, so to speak, my claim to fame. I have three main targets that the Steelers should go for. And if they can do that, I think they win on offense. And I'll even give you an extra credit one as well. Um, the first is you got to run the football. I know that the Steelers are a passing team. They come into this game. The last time we saw the starters was in week three down in New Orleans, and they basically threw the ball every single time. They were in the no huddle. They ran the shotgun formation, sidecar to the right or to the left, depending on how Roethlisberger set up the, uh, the protection scheme. I just don't think that's the way you want to approach this game, at least not early on. This, the Washington Redskins are not a good run-stopping defense, and yes, that's last season, but at the same time, it is also, they, or I should say they haven't made too many improvements in their rush defense. So they were 26, I believe, in the National Football League against the run last year. You need to get D'Angelo Williams going early, and if it's Fitzgerald Toussaint as the number two, get him in there to spell D-Will every now and then, and really try to keep the offense balanced. I say that every game, Every preview, every episode that we're on, Lance, we talk about the same thing, balance. You don't want to be pass-heavy if you can be balanced. So I think the first thing is run the football. D'Angelo Williams is more than capable. We saw that last year. The second is protection. The Washington Redskins, although they blitz a lot and they try to put on a lot of pressure, they did not get to the quarterback a lot last season. I want to say they were ranked about middle of the pack in the National Football League in terms of sacks created. They did make a few additions, especially in the secondary, which can help their pass rush. But if the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, which let's be honest, if Marcus Gilbert plays, the only question mark, in my opinion, is at left tackle, Alejandro Villanueva. The Steelers, if they can keep the pass rush off Roethlisberger, I have no doubt that's without Martavis Bryant, that's without Le'Veon Bell, that, that, that they will be able to move the ball through the air with Ben Roethlisberger not getting sacked a ridiculous amount of times. Now, at the same time, Roethlisberger has to be smart with the football. He's gotten better in the past few seasons under Todd Haley. He needs to avoid those unnecessary hits, and that sometimes might mean throwing the football away, live to play another day, but protection is going to be big. Uh, last one is creativity. Everyone's talking about Josh Norman versus Antonio Brown. Rightfully so. That is a huge star-studded matchup in terms of one-on-one cornerback versus wide receiver. However, if you watch them, I don't know that we're going to see that a ton. It's not going to be like Richard Sherman in 2015 where he shadowed Antonio Brown around the field. Norman is, is basically more of a zone, zone cornerback, but at the same time, they could possibly say, you're our best, he's their best, we're going to put you one-on-one. 
if you look back to the game, and this is what I did, is I went back to 2015 and watched that Seahawks game. The Steelers were very creative on how to get Antonio Brown away from Richard Sherman. They moved him to the slot a lot. They put him in motion more than usual. And by doing that, it caused the defense to have to, to switch, to off alter their coverage. And that's when Antonio Brown did his damage. Richard Sherman, although very handsy, mind you, he did a good job against Antonio Brown. They need to be creative once again, ultimately, to make sure that they can get Antonio Brown freed up. And my extra credit for, for this uh, game in week one is they have to have somebody else step up in the wide receiving core. Every time you have one of these matchups where it's you know, Norman or Richard Sherman or anything like that, you've got to have somebody else. Now, Marcus Wheaton's shoulder injury kind of makes me nervous. I think he's going to have a big season, but he has to be healthy to do that. Sammy Coates, not too sure about him. I'm really big on Eli Rogers, but his first regular season game, I don't think you can expect a big performance. And Darius Hayward Bay, he's had his issues. We know that. That's very well documented. But they need somebody else to step up, and the question is, who will that person be? Antonio Brown's going to get his, like Lance, when you described Jordan Reed. But at the same time, somebody else has to step up. Go back to that Seattle game. It was Wheaton who had over 200 yards receiving and a touchdown. Maybe we'll see something like that because the Redskins' defense is susceptible to big plays. They have some names back there, but a lot of them are aging. Uh, the, the, the overall scheme is just not as daunting as maybe some of the teams that the Steelers are used to seeing, like the Bengals, the Ravens, and stuff like that. So those are my three keys. Again, run the football. Protect Big Ben. Be creative on getting Antonio Brown some space. And the extra credit was somebody else. Who's it going to be? Step up. Lance, who do you think that person would be if you had to pick uh, to step up and, and really have a big game for the Steelers on offense that's not named Antonio Brown? I think D'Angelo Williams and Jesse James collectively Ooh. are going to have a nice All right. game. I like Jesse. I like Jesse James in the slot, big target in the red zone. I think he's going to have a quiet game, but an effective game, maybe a five, six catch game for a touchdown, maybe 60 yards, something like that. I think he's going to make some key catches. And I think Eli Rogers is also going to step up. I love your keys. There's one thing I would disagree with, though. And I've been conflicted about this philosophy for years because as a 46-year-old guy, I've grown up with the, the philosophy of, you know, run the football, eat clock, time of possession, keep high-powered offenses off the field. But I think when you have a high-powered offense like the Steelers' offense, and I'm going to give you a rhyme, if you want to succeed, pass to get the lead. I, I think the key for the Steelers in this game will be coming out as aggressive as possible on offense and trying to get up on the Redskins. Just to really put their pedal to the metal, similar to the way they played in New Orleans game, where it's full on track meet, muddle huddle, let's go at it, spread these guys out, let's swing it and try to get a lead to help our defense out. I really hope okay, so they you... come out ultra aggressive and take that approach in, in most games. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I I see that side of it. I really do. I just think that if you look at the weakness of the opponent, and maybe that's a second-half approach. You get a lead early. Second half is when you grind it out. That's when you get the mutters like DeCastro and Pouncey just grinding the other team to a stump. I'm all for that. Uh, but ultimately, I, as, a, as an offensive guy that likes to watch offense, I always like teams that stay balanced. And the perfect example is typically the New England Patriots. Now, yeah, they have games where Tom Brady throws the ball almost 50 times. But you know that's not the norm. The norm is he runs the ball very 
he, he sees what the defense is doing, and he'll run it when he needs to. I hope the Steelers have gotten to that point where they're capable of doing that in terms of we want to run, we're going to run. We want to pass, we're going to be able to do that. When you have an offense that can do both, that's when you're truly, truly dangerous. And, hey, the Steelers' offense, in my opinion, is that good. All right, so let's get down to brass tacks here, Lance. The, the Vegas spread has the Pittsburgh Steelers giving three points on the road. Now, if you follow spread points, typically the home team is awarded two and a half or three points for home field advantage. So, therefore, if you pay attention to what Vegas is telling us, they're saying that the Steelers are essentially five and a half or six-point favorites here in week one on Monday Night Football. What I want from you, Lance, is a score prediction. And also, if you were a betting man, are you taking the Steelers covering the spread or are you taking the Redskins straight up, or maybe you're just taking the Redskins with the points? I think the Steelers are going to cover the spread. I think it's going to be a very exciting, high-scoring football game. You want me to give a score, Jeff, as well? Yeah, I want to, I want to hear what you think. I'm going with 31-21. I think the Steelers win by 10 and a tightly contested game where they get a turnover in the second half and they cash in and get 31 points to start the season off. That would be awesome. I, I agree with you, obviously. If you follow the show, you know that I like to I like to stay true to my roots. I don't pick against the Steelers too often. Um, I personally think that the Steelers are going to win. I think they're going to cover the spread, but not by much. I think it's going to be closer than what you predicted, Lance. I'm going to say Pittsburgh Steelers 28. And the Washington Redskins 24. It's going to be a four-point game that's going to cover the spread. And the Steelers are going to come back to Heinz 1 0 as the host of the Cincinnati Bengals in week two. But I have one question here, Lance, before we break away from the Redskins week one game. Something that was talked about a lot in the preseason and especially in when the team started to come back for OTAs and minicamp, if the Steelers score a touchdown, you predicted 31 points. Now, I don't know how you came to that number. How many times do you think they go for two if they score on Monday Night Football? You know, Tom was a very interesting guy. I, I, honestly, their first two, two I, I think they're absolutely going to go for it on their first two touchdowns. If the score dictates yeah. that, you know, they don't get it, they're down two instead of three. They won't. But, you know, I, I think they're more than half the time they score touchdowns in this game. Uh, I, I think they like having the ball in Ben Roethlisberger's hands. What is it, from the seven? Um, no. The, the, the two-point conversion is from the, it's from the, it's from the, normal, the normal spot. It's from, like, the two-yard line. Okay, so I, I think they trust Ben Roethlisberger more than Boswell. So I, I, I think they're going to go for it a majority of the time in the game and in games moving forward. So they went for it 11 times in 2015. You're saying that they eclipsed that number by a large margin. I think so. Okay. I think so. And do you, you agree with that? Do you, you agree with that that philosophy, or do you think that you know you just take the extra point and go – kickoff. If it fits the situation, I agree. Meaning, you know, if you go for the extra point, but it leaves you down, you know, if you go for the extra point and it puts you within three, but you go for it and, and you don't get it and you're within four, I think it's a mistake. You know, as long as 
you know, it doesn't put you in those weird situations where you can't tie the game with a field goal. If, if they can stay away from those situations, I encourage them to go for it. I, I think they're going to convert it more often than not. Yeah, and, and Ben Roethlisberger said it best. He said, you know, if you go for it the first time and you miss it, and you go for it the second time you get it, well, you just equated 14 points. It's the same as kicking two extra points. So it kind of – it can even itself out if you're good at it, and I think they are very good at it. So there you have it, folks. Hey, write this in your calendar. If you have a calendar near you on your phone or whatever, put this date in there that Lance Williams actually picked the Steelers, and he picked them to win by a larger margin than Jeff Hartman. Okay, so we picked them at the same time. But I don't think you've ever said that the Steelers are going to win by more than I did. What's going on? I feel like I'm in a bizarro world right now. I don't know. But – uh there you have it, folks. We both picked the Steelers to win on the road and to cover the spread. In other words, book it. We like the Steelers on Monday night football. Now, let's get to other Steelers news, Lance. There is other stuff going on in the black and gold world. And the news that's most recent, and what I'd like to start with when we talk about Steelers news, is the report that David DeCastro and the Steelers are really close to getting a deal done they're coming down to the, the deadline here. We know the Steelers don't like to negotiate contracts once the season has started. Did you hear this news? And if not, what do you think? Uh, you, you think they're going to iron out a deal? I personally do. I think that they're going to get a deal done. It might be at the witching hour. It might be you know, right before they get on the plane like they did with Troy Palomalu. But I think a deal gets done sooner than later. Do you agree? I think David DeCastro will be inking his contract before he gets on the flight to go to D.C. or the bus or um, they're going to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, there's been a lot of news other than the David DeCastro news. Uh, I really wanted to get your view. We talked a little bit via text message about this. This past weekend, you know, as the editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, you're, you're sitting by the computer. You're waiting for the news of the cuts to come down as the team narrows their roster down to 53 players. And then all of a sudden I see an Adam Schefter tweet pop up, and what does it say? The Steelers, according to a source, the Steelers have acquired cornerback Justin Gilbert from the Cleveland Browns for a conditional draft pick, which we come to find out is a 2018 six-round draft pick. This is a guy that went eighth, eighth overall in the 2014 NFL draft. Lance, when you heard the news, what was your initial reaction? And then when you heard about what the Steelers gave up, what, I want to know, you're a defensive guy. What do you think the capabilities of the ceiling is for this young man as he's now on a winning team in a winning franchise in a winning town? If he can play to his physical metrics, he could be a monster. But this is the type of deal as an organization you have to do. This is one of those deals where it's a win-win. You're not going to get criticized by any way on either side of the deal. You really didn't give up anything. You gave up a six-rounder, a guy that may not make the club, for a first-rounder. Play well, so what? You didn't lose much. So this is the type of no-brainer deal that every front office wants, that anybody wants in their respective lives. I mean, this is a no-brainer. You have to think twice about this deal. You get a guy that runs sub-4-4, 6-1, has the ability to kick off returns. I mean, the guy was in Cleveland. I mean, this is similar to the Patriots' move when they acquired Mingo from Cleveland. You know, because of the numerous coaching changes and the losing culture in Cleveland, 
it's hard to assess how good anyone can play other than Joe Thomas, who's just been a stud ever since he got there. He's had some maturity issues, but he's coming into a building that's mature, that has championships, and he has the physical, prototypical type skills to play the position, and now the Steelers just have to get it out. Hands out, this is the type of deal where people in the media say you're a genius. Uh, yeah, no, there's there's no risk in my opinion, and I think that's kind of what you're alluding to. Zero. In this enti- there's none. I mean, a six-round pick, let's be honest, in free agency, you're probably going to get a six-round comp, which you can actually trade now starting next year in the NFL draft, so that's interesting. But ultimately, I want to ask you, if let's say Justin Gilbert resurrects his career. He, he turns it around and starts playing to the capabilities playing. But let's also say that he does that with the current defensive backs that are available on the team. And we're going to talk about Senko's goals in here in a second. But he's not part of the equation right now. So with that being said, if everything were to be in a perfect world, what would the Steelers' secondary look like if Gilbert has proven that he can play at a high level? If everything looks right, you know, for this year, it's Gilbert, I think Gay, and, you know, maybe Cockwell in the slot. Uh, But any iteration that you put them in, it's not having Sean Davis as a slot corner. And however you mix them up, it allows Sean Davis to play the position that he was drafted for. But if you look further into the crystal ball, if he pans out, you've got two first-round corners and Artie Burns and Justin Gilbert, and all of a sudden you have two young corners as a foundation of your secondary moving forward. So if he pans out and Burns pans out, all of a sudden they're in the best position that they've been at the cornerback position in at least 15 years. Well, in terms of drafts, selection and in position absolutely yes. I mean when was the last time the Steelers ever had two first round draft picks at their starting cornerback position I can't think of any time I mean the last first I round draft pick they had before Burns was Chad Scott was the last player that was drafted first overall as a cornerback and I don't want to remember Chad Scott even though I do because he was horrible but still um, I, I think that if I were to be the coach I'd say keep Cockrell on the outside with Gilbert and then I'd move William Gay to the slot. People forget, and I know you don't forget, how good William Gay is in the slot. I mean, he's one of the best in the business Excellent. in the slot. That's, his, that's the name of his game, and he's adapted his game to the outside, but I think he would be more comfortable there. But you brought up a name that I wanted to talk about as well, and this is a good segue into that, and that's Artie Burns. You watched the game? Did you watch the Carolina Panthers game, even if it was on replay? Um, that was absolutely dreadful and painful, <laughs> yet he made some plays. You well, can yeah, I wanted to get, why I mean, they he were excited about him. He only played a half, but I wanted to get your kind of analysis on what you thought from him, and he made he did make some plays, and I know it's a small sample size, but what were your thoughts? There's a lot to chew on. You know, there, there there's a lot to chew on. It may not be a a cowboy steak or a bone-in ribeye, but, you know, it's definitely a quality steak. It's not a breakfast cut, a thin cut of steak (laughs) in the morning, uh, but there's something there. You like his size. 
You liked that he was ball hawking. He was physical. And the one thing you don't see with a lot of Steeler corners, he was actually in the frame, the receiver, <laughs> actually on the receiver's hip. So if you want to get excited just from that alone, be excited about Artie Burns. Also, because he missed a majority of camp, I don't know how many snaps he's going to play. He'll get special team snaps, but I don't know how many snaps he's going to play in base or nickel. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. Well, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say right now, look for Artie Burns to be in the lineup after the bye week. I think that if he gets the practice reps, his special teams reps, he's on the field, he stays healthy, and that's a big if in today's National Football League. I think after the bye week, if they're going to insert him into the lineup, that's when you do it. And I think that if he can prove himself, then why not? Absolutely. I think he's a he's an asset to the team. Ross Cockle maybe could take away some in, in the slot. But it, it's going to be interesting to see. It, it, people got really, really excited because he did make that nice tackle. He missed a really bad – he took a really bad angle on a run play, which went for 15 yards. But then he also made two, had two pass defenses in very limited time, mind you. People got real excited, but people need to remember, A, it's preseason, and B, it was preseason game four, which is like watching a JV football game. So take it with a grain of salt, folks, okay? Please take it with a grain of salt. But he is on the right path. And so I hope that fans are excited about that. But I want to say that I wrote an article today, it ran this morning. I don't know if you saw it, Lance, you're a busy guy. Uh, the Steelers had to make some roster decisions recently, and it all came down about the same time as the 53-man. And that was when Bud Dupree got moved to the injured reserve list. And then on top of that, Stan Quince Golson did not get moved to the injured reserve list. Now, to me, and what I wrote in the article was, this was a tough decision for the team. I think they wanted to move Golson to injured reserve. But if you put him on IR and Dupree on IR, you're ending one of their seasons. The question is, is why are they so adamant on keeping Golson available for a player that has hardly ever practiced in the NFL, let alone play, and they think that Dupree is going to be able to come back after his, well, he might have surgery. We don't know if that's actually happened yet or not, but... What were your thoughts on that whole decision-making process? We know that Dupree's at least out for half a season. He can come back and practice after week six if he's healthy, but cannot play until week nine. He has to sit out eight weeks. And then Golson, obviously, whenever he's healthy now, because he's going to be taking a roster spot up on a week-to-week basis and basically being active, he's still in a, a walking boot. What were your thoughts on the Steelers' decisions there with Dupree and Golson? Answer this question for me. And this is going to be my answer to your question, but I'm going to answer it, I guess, in a way with the question. Okay. Do you think by waiving Doran Grant and keeping St. Quest Golston on the roster, they're essentially saying that a hurt Golston is better than a healthy Grant? Absolutely. I think that's absolutely too, what they're saying. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, that's because absolutely Dor- what they're saying. And, they also, and they're also yeah. saying that Golson is going to come back and play this year. Yeah. Which, you know, a lot of people still are saying the same thing that I said earlier, which is the guys that haven't even has hardly practiced in the National Football League, hasn't seen any game time, be a preseason or regular season. To me, that means that the coaches have seen enough from him that they are going to save a roster spot for him. Now, I'm not saying this is Bill Cowher keeping Rod Woodson on the roster in 1995 and then let him play in the Super Bowl after he tore his ACL. I'm not saying that. 
But what I'm saying is that they've seen enough that obviously they want to keep this guy around, and they want to keep him around more than Doran Grant. Doran Grant could tackle. He couldn't cover with a lick, though, and now he's with the Buffalo Bills. Um, I actually was okay with this, but a lot of fans on the website were really upset. They didn't think that Golson was worth the roster spot. Uh, but ultimately, there's going to be those guys that are inactive every week anyways. He just is going to be one of them. And all the reports coming from him and the Steelers have been positive in terms of his rehab. Everyone said he's going to be a four-month injury and recovery process. Maybe that seven weeks that he spoke of earlier is actually not too far off. Maybe that seven weeks is actually closer to uh, reality than what many thought when he goes down with the Liz Frank surgery, well, injury that needs surgery. So the, the funny thing is, and I want to get your feel for this, if you think about it, Lance, think about the second half of this season, what this team could look like. There's potential that Ladarius Green is back on the team after his six weeks on the pub list. Okay, think about how dynamic that makes the offense, or even more so than it already is. Then you could have Bud Dupree come back after the eight-week mark. You could have Sinclair's Golson come back, and not that Golson's going to step in and be the player that everyone expects him to be, but it's just going to add quality depth in the secondary. This team could have a drastically different look in the second half of the season if these three players, and I know that's a big if, are able to come back and be healthy and be able to be players for this team in 2016. What do you think about that? This can, this team could absolutely be dangerous in the second half of the season if it can tread water while all these guys get back. Can you imagine how physical they'll be and how fast and athletic they'll be on defense if they get all the parts? I mean, yeah. I mean, this team could really be dynamic in the second half of the season, and that could be the type of jolt that they need as a defense late or as a team overall in those dog days of the season, as the season gets late, when you add that type of juice to your lineup. So, you know, I mean, they just have to sustain early in the season. And, uh, you know, I, I, the sky's the limit for this football team. And we talked about it of the show, at the top of the shows for this season. I mean, the key thing about this team is health, man. If this team is healthy, they can beat anybody and they can win a championship. Okay, the last thing I want to do, Lance, before I give you your soapbox and let you actually talk about whatever you want to talk about that's Steelers-related for the end of the show, let's play a little bit of the if game. And you brought this up a couple weeks ago. We played the if game. And I want to know, the Steelers win on Monday night if. What is your if for the Steelers? The Steelers will win the game on Monday night if they are a plus one in turnovers. Okay, plus one. I'm going to give you the Steelers will win on Monday Night Football if D'Angelo Williams rushes for over 100 yards. I think that's going to steal the deal. If they can rush for over 100, you know they're going to throw the ball on them. I think if they can rush for over 100, it's going to be lights out in FedEx Field. And you might just see Occupy BC, meaning something a little bit different in terms of the the Steeler Nation and terrible towels being twirled everywhere out in our nation's capital. So, Lance, now is your chance, my man. You have the floor. Go ahead and talk to Steeler Nation. Steeler Nation, all I can say and my theme for this year is get your popcorn ready. It's going to be fun, and this team is going to go deep, and they're going to be in the mix. So be loud. 
be festive and get your popcorn ready. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Folks, I just want to remind you, if you're if you're waiting on hold, uh, we changed our format for our shows this this season. During the season, we're not going to take callers on the show anymore during the season. If you want to call in, we're going to have a special show for you. That's going to be the Steelers Hangover, and that's going to be the day after every game. So this upcoming game is on Monday night. The Steelers Hangover will be Tuesday night, where we're going to recap the game and take as many calls as we can during that time. And so make sure you do that, but also make sure you check BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for everything that you need. We're going to have film breakdowns of the offense and defense of the Washington Redskins to get you acclimated, along with predictions, picks from the experts, everything that you can expect heading into week one. We're going to have it for you at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Lance, great show as always. Thank you for your time. Those that are listening, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Standard is a Standard. I'm Jeff for Lance. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.